0: So last week we started this series that we're simply calling Remember. And we've been taking a look at the book of Exodus and this journey of the children of Israel who have been freed from slavery in Egypt and now they're out in the wilderness. And one of the things that we've been talking about is we all want breakthroughs, right? We all have that one thing in our life that we feel is holding us back. Maybe you have a, a particular sin pattern. Maybe you have a habit. Maybe you have something that you feel like, if I could just get through this, then everything would be good. And we've defined breakthroughs like this. Breakthroughs one-time events. They're daily events where our faith is shaken, but God still comes through anyway. That's genuinely what a breakthrough is. I think sometimes we want this like end all, fix all kind of thing. Like God just show up, zap me with faith. I have enough faith to get through the rest of the week and I'll be good. But the truth is um, we learned last week that if we truly want to trust Jesus, if we genuinely want a breakthrough, it's going to be a day by day event. And we, we saw this in the story of the children of Israel in Exodus 16 last week. When Moses said, You remember the miracle of the manna? When God provides manna to all the children of Israel, they get out in the wilderness and they say, okay, God, you brought us here. You dragged us out into the wilderness. Now we have nothing to eat. What are you gonna do about it? They're complaining and God responds. He says, okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna cause manna to rain down and it's like a bread, rain down from heaven. And we see this in Exodus 16. It says, Moses said to them, don't leave any of it until morning but they didn't listen to Moses and a few men kept back, some of it until morning. It got wormy and smelled bad and Moses lost his temper with them. What, what, what is going on right there? God's saying, hey, listen, I'm going to provide food for you, but here's what's gonna happen. If you try to store some up for the day after, guess what, it's gonna rot because I'm trying to teach you that you have to trust me for tomorrow. You have to have enough faith to get to tomorrow. I'm not gonna give you everything that you need right now, but how many know sometimes that you, you ever feel like with God, like, God, if you could just show me the whole plan, that'd be really nice. Like, if you just lay it all out for me, I would be really happy. But God often says to us, if we genuinely want to have faith, guess what? You've got to trust me today, and you're also going to have to trust me for tomorrow. And then we learned, um, whenever they gathered it in the morning, it says each person would gather all the bread. And then here's what's crazy. God made sure that they couldn't gather extra, even if they wanted to. They would gather it all, and it says when the sun would come up, the sun would melt the bread. It would just disappear. So here's what we talked about yesterday, and we're going to weave this in to today as well. When you see the children of Israel, you say, man, why do they have to go through all this? Why do they have to trust God every single day? Why do they get to places in their life when they're thirsty and they don't have any water and now Moses has to take a staff and hit a rock and water gushes out of it? Why do they have to keep trusting God? Why do they have to go through this process over and over and over and over again? You ever feel like that? Like God, why do I have to keep doing this? This is what we said last week. You can't receive a promise without going through the process. If you want a promise From God, if God has promised a truth to you, something in the scriptures that you're holding tightly to, or God spoke to you, he gave a word to you, whatever it was, listen, you can't have it until you're willing to go through the process. Because if you just got the promise, guess what? You would not, you would take it for granted. You'd shove it aside. You'd forget just the children of Israel, everything you had to go through to get there. Ever rented a car and drive it like a crazy man because it's not yours? When you finally save up enough money and you pay for the car, and you're like, "I paid for this car, you take care of it." right? So that's kind of a recap of everything that we covered last week. So what I want to do this week is I'm just going to give you I'm not going to read it. I'm going to give you a quick highlight overview version of everything that happens in Exodus 19 through 31. So we're going to be here for about three weeks, okay? Um, I'm just kidding. What I want to do is I just want to give you a quick overview of what goes on, and then we'll pick up in Exodus 32. So basically, there's a lot that goes on, but to sum it all down, to boil it all up, most notably, we see that uh, Moses ascends Mount Sinai six different times. I personally believe, because he had a million people that he was in the desert that were constantly complaining. He was just like, God, get me on that mountain. I got to get away from these whiny people, right? Parents, you know what I'm talking about, right? You got like kids in the house and you don't need to go to the bathroom, but you lock yourself in the bathroom anyway. Any any parents guilty of that? Like, I'm just going to hide here. There's many times where my my wife is like, she's like, I know you're not doing anything in there. Get out of the bathroom. I'm just like, oh, this is my safe spot, right? So Moses climbs the mountain multiple different times to meet with God. On the sixth time that he actually climbs the mountain, God instructs him to bring two stone tablets. Anybody know what's about to happen here? So he says, bring two stone tablets with you. So he goes up to the mountain with these two stone tablets, and he's gone for 40 days. For 40 days. So God is giving him the Ten Commandments. He's instructing them on how these things should be lived out. But I want you to keep in mind something. Moses is on this mountain for 40 days, and you have about a million people. That the only way that they feel like that they can hear from God is if Moses speaks. The only way that they hear the voice of God is through Moses' mouthpiece. They they're not yet at this realization that they can communicate and talk to God on their own. Okay? So for 40 days he's gone. Well, the children of Israel begin to panic. They begin to get worried wait, wait, hold on, Moses is gone. How do we hear from God? Well, who's gonna be our God? Because he's gone, it's been 40 days. He's just, he's disappeared. He's abandoned us, he's left us. That worry is setting in that Moses is not coming back. So you have these people, they begin to become restless. They begin to worry, is God ever going to speak to us again? Because Moses is not here. And this is where we pick up Exodus 32, verse one. It says, when the people realized that Moses was taking forever <laughs> and coming down off the mountain, they rallied around Aaron. So Aaron was like Moses' sidekick, okay? It says, now watch this. They say to Aaron, do something. Make, listen to this. Make gods who will lead us. Now, let me pause there. For the past few months, they have seen their God provide for them. He's parted the Red Sea. He's freed them from 215 years of slavery. Moses has hit a rock, and water has gushed out of it. Moses has thrown a staff into the river, and the water was bitter, and now it is sweet. Manna has rained down from heaven over and over and over again. They have all these miracles, but in one moment of anxiety and worry and panic, Moses is not coming back. We need a new God. They forget. They're at a place where they do not remember what God has done for them. The quickest way, the quickest way to get yourself derailed in your relationship with Jesus is to forget what he has done for you in the past. It's the quickest way. So watch this. Do something, make gods for us who will lead us. Now they go into blame shifting. That Moses. <laughs> The man who got us out of Egypt, who knows what's happened to him? He's gone, right? So Aaron told them, watch this. Take off the gold rings from your ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. So they all did it. They removed the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from their hands and cast it in the form of a calf, a cow, shaping it with an engraving tool. The people responded with enthusiasm, enthusiasm. These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up from Egypt. Watch how quickly they shift. So in a moment of panic, in a moment of worry, you ever been there? God's provided, 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 and then you get to a place in your life where you're just like, this is really bad, God, (laughs) I'm down here and I really need you. And it's been like 40 days and you haven't showed up yet. You know what? I don't need you. I'm just gonna do my own thing. I'm gonna take it matters into my own hands. The children of Israel, they're not much different than we are. We can look at them and then say, they're that's stupid. Go, they're formed a fashion and a golden calf, a god. What? No, they're just like you and I were. They got anxious. They got worried. They panicked. God's not going to ever speak to us again. They begin to worry that, well, is God really going to do it again? Is he really going to take care of us again? I wrote it down this way You forget the faithfulness of the past, and you will settle for a false God. You forget the faithfulness of God in your past, you will settle for a false God. And here's what I mean by that you settle for worry. You settle for the God of money. You settle for fame. This is why social media can become so addicting, because you settle for, well, how many likes did I get? <laughs> how many comments did I get? How many people poured into my life? Just like the Israelites, you begin to think, God's left us. He's not going to do it again. But if, I think if we're really honest, when we get in seasons where we feel like our back is up against the wall, And God is silent. The truth is we hate waiting and we want solutions right now. Anybody? You want solutions right now. We want to see God come through now. We're sick and tired of people telling us, he's going to, don't worry, he's coming. Well, when is he getting here? (laughs) Right? I don't know about you, but I'm that guy that hates reading the instruction manual when I have to assemble toys. Anybody? Anybody? like when we go for Christmas and pick out toys for the kids and it says, no assembly required. I'm like, that one. (laughs) But I'm also the guy, when I open these boxes and I see all these things, I'm like, I'm a man. I can put this together. I don't need to read anything, right? I have put on bike wheels backwards, (laughs) handlebars backwards, not reading the instructions. I've screwed together things where that bolt is too big. And I'm like, you know what, buddy? You're just going to have to go in there. <laughs> like, it's, it's going to work. And I usually go through this process of putting something together. And it takes me a whole lot longer than it should because I'm doing it the wrong way. Not reading the instructions. What could have been 30 minutes of work becomes two hours because I chose not to do it the right way. I chose not to follow the process. Can I tell you something? We, just, we did a whole series on this. Oftentimes, God's process of getting you to where he needs you to be is pain. Sometimes, here, guess what? It's silence. Sometimes God disappears, not because he hates you, but because he's going, you know what? I love you so much. I want to see what you're made of in this moment. We begin to see where our relationship with Jesus is really at. As I said earlier, you cannot receive a promise without going through the process. Now, here's the truth. Change in your life will never come if we settle for the easy way out. So here's what I want you to understand this morning. Don't settle for something. This is exactly what the children of Israel did. Moses isn't coming back. Let's settle for taking matters into our own hands. Let's build our own God. If you read further on in the chapter, here's what happens. When they start forming this golden calf, God literally speaks to Moses. He says, you need to go get down there and tell your people to kiss their families goodbye because I'm about to wipe all of them out. He says, I'm about to kill all of them because they've forgotten that I've taken care of them. And it's one of the only times in the Bible God says, hold on, wait, God, time out. He actually convinces God to change his mind. He said, hey, you didn't free us for nothing. You didn't bring us all the way out here for nothing. Can you please spare these people? Like God is wanting to wipe them out. But listen, whenever you set, think about a, 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 an area or a position or a place in your life where you just got sick and tired of waiting on God and you just settled. You just got to a place where you know what? It's too difficult. I don't wanna go through the pos- process and you just push pause. You ever been there like, God, I'm done. <laughs> this process of pain or this process of hardship, I'm out, I'm out. I'm done. So here's what happens. We usually push pause. We get to this place where we just kind of sit. We wait and we begin to form and fashion our own gods that will give us some sense of security. So the reason sometimes we have a hard time letting go of our bitterness or our worry or our anxiety, it's because those things give us some sense of control, right? But God's saying, no, I I need you to dive all the way into this process. I need you to dive all the way all the way in. I think I shared this example before a few years ago, but there was this baptism practice by the Knights of Templar. Whenever they would give their lives over to Jesus, they would see the incredible importance of the scriptures. They they recognized that Jesus was the solution but when they, would go bat, when they would get baptized, they'd get baptized in their armor, and they would hold their sword. And when they would get baptized, they would hold their sword out of the water, not uh, submerging their sword. And it was symbolism for something. It was the knight's way of saying, Jesus, you can have control of every area of my life, but what I do with this sword on the battlefield, that's mine. That's my decision. I get to make that decision. You can have everything in my life but this one thing. See, oftentimes, the reason that the process becomes so long in our life a lot of times is because we say, God, I'll go all in except for this one thing. Not confessing that, not dealing with that, not going down that road of pain because that's going to be too hard or I've stuffed that for too long and I'm not going there. And oftentimes God says, okay, that's fine. We're just gonna keep this process going and it drags out. So I just wanna ask you a simple question today. What is your sword? What is the one thing where you've said, okay, God, I'm all in, but this? What is the one thing in your life that you've finally gotten to a place where you said, you know what, I'm just gonna settle. This is just what it is. This is just my life. This is just how I am. What is that one thing? See, what you do when God is silent says a lot more about who you really are. (laughs) And it's easy to trust God when the water's flowing out of the rock, isn't it? It's easy to trust God when the manna's raining down from heaven and you say, well, yes, God is here. What happens when there's no water? What happens when there's no provision? What happens when you feel like God is silent and distant? What you do in that moment says a lot about what you've been building in here throughout this process. Do we run, do we recoil, do we hide, do we get angry at God? See, true change will never happen unless you're willing to pay something. It's gotta cost you something. And if you're not willing to pay something for it, then here's what you get. You get behavior modification rather than heart transformation. So here's what I mean. You try to change everything on the outside, hoping that it will do something. So what do you do? You start showing up to church. You start trying to change the way that you talk. You start trying to change the way that you think. You start trying to snuff some old habits away. And you try to do all these things on the exterior that makes you look better. But right here, everything is still misfiring. All that garbage, all that junk is still there. And what God is after, he said, you know what? I could care less about all the external things. If you would just let me come in, fully take control on the inside, then guess what? All these external things will sort themselves out. (laughs) It'll get to a place where it'll sort themselves out. So what do I mean when I'm talking about costly change? When we go through this process of having to remember that God has been faithful in the past, here's what I mean. Costly change confronts your deepest fears but compels you to act regardless of what the outcome is going to be. Confronts your deepest fears but compels you to act regardless of what the outcome is going to be. So for some of you, Maybe the reason that you feel like you have not been able to change is because you feel like if you confess something to somebody, they're going to look at you different. But guess what? If you want real change, it doesn't matter what the outcome is going to be. God's going to take care of that. And ultimately, here's what I've learned it's my job to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit has convicted me to do, and the outcome is up to God. The outcome is up to God. The people that may walk away from me, guess what? That's their decision. I've got to make a choice in my life to follow God wholly and say, God, you know what? There's nothing in my life that is separating me from you in this moment right now. I had a pastor tell me this a few years ago and it stuck with me and he said this, if you're not willing to sacrifice, you're not willing to change. If you're not willing to sacrifice, you're not willing to change. Listen to me. If you're, not willing to sac- if you're not willing to go through something difficult, then you don't really want change. See, change is this idea that we talk about in church. We want freedom. Can I tell you something? Freedom's going to cost you something. Freedom's going to hurt. You know why? Because you have all- the reason that you're not free is because you have all this shame and all these insecurities and all these things that have built up in your life that are keeping you down, and you've got to open up all those things. You've got to allow God in those parts of your life. If you're not willing to sacrifice, you're not ready to change. We see this in the scriptures with the rich young ruler. You remember that story? Where Jesus comes up, I'll read it to you in Mark 10. It says He's talking about Jesus. He says, he went out into the street. A man came running up, greeted him with great reverence, and asked, good teacher, what must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus said, why are you calling me good? No one is good, only God. He said, so now he poses some questions to him. He says, you know the commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat. Honor your father and mother. And the rich young ruler says, teacher, I have from my youth kept them all. I've kept them all. And Jesus looked hard, he he looked at him hard in the eyes and loved him. He said, there's one thing left. Go sell whatever you own and give it to the poor. All your wealth will then be heavenly wealth, and come follow me. Verse 22, the man's face clouded over. This was the last thing he expected to hear, and he walked off with a heavy heart. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and not about to let go. That's where many of us find ourselves in our process today. These are typically the things that cause us to forget where God has provided for us in the past. There's something in your life that you're not willing to let go of. Therefore, it is clouding your judgment of what God really wants for you and you fail to forget how faithful he's been to you in the past. What's that one thing? Listen, we all have it. Is it shame? Is it fear? Is it worry? Is it anxiety? Is it a a past failure that maybe you haven't allowed God to really work on you? I love how Jesus responds here. He says, yes, you've done all these things, but you got one thing left. If you really want to go all in, this is the one thing that you've got to do. The sad part is that rich young ruler, he was called by Jesus and turned him down because he was not, watch this, he was not willing to sacrifice. Therefore, he was not ready to change. Now think about this for a moment. He traded being with Jesus for a pile of stuff. So when we read it, when we look at it in context in the scriptures, we say, well, that's stupid. What was he thinking? He could have followed Jesus. But how many times do we do that? How many times do we look at our own lives and say, yes, I want all in, but not this one thing. Every time Jesus calls you to give up something, it's only because he has something greater for you. You have to remember that. Every time you go through a process, every time it's painful, listen, God does not waste your pain. He has something better for you. He always does. We see in part, he sees in whole. My wife and I, we have six kids. And my fourth son, Peter, is probably by far the most difficult to take to the doctor. (laughs) When most times we bring him to the doctor, my wife is like, You're taking him. And every doctor visit Peter has, especially when he gets wind that shots are coming. Any parents know this drill? You know, like, we're gonna, you're, son, if I have to, I'm gonna sit on your legs, I'm gonna hold you down. Like, it's gonna sound like I'm murdering you in here, but I love you, okay? It's just a tiny little shot, it's gonna be over really quick. My saving grace in going to the doctors is two things, suckers and stickers. <laughs> and this is the, the entire drive from our, our doctors and Jennings. So our entire drive from Crowley to Jennings said, Pete, if you don't bite anybody, <laughs> if you don't hit anybody, if you don't panic or freak out, you get suckers and stickers. Okay. All right. And then we, And then all of a sudden we walk into the doctor's office the thought of suckers and stickers has left his brain, right? It is, I'm getting a shot, and this is gonna, so I, yet again, I'm reminding him, Peter, suckers, stickers. It's gonna be real quick, poke, over, bud. Suckers, stickers, okay, okay. And then he'll shape up, and then the doctor walks in. Ooh, suckers and stickers, right? You're gonna be good. And he gets the shots, cries for a little bit. It's all over, and then what happens? He gets suckers and stickers. Now, why do I do this? Why do I constantly remind him of these suckers and these stickers? Because I'm reminding him, son, if you could just endure the pain, you get a prize. If you could endure the pain, there's something better for you on the other end. Listen, whatever process that you're going through right now, if you have forgotten how faithful God has been for you in the past, if you could just remember that the only reason that you're on this journey because he has something better for you on the other end, the only reason that he takes us down these roads is because he has something better for us every single time. Every single time Jesus calls us to count the cost, it is for our joy. Because he says, listen, I know the way that you're living right now. You think it's a good one, but guess what? I have an even better one. I have an even better one. In Luke 14, 25 through 27, it says this. One day when large groups of people were walking along with him, Jesus turned and told them, Anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even one's own self, can't be my disciple. Anyone who won't shoulder his own cross and follow behind me can't be my disciple. In other words, true change requires devotion. It genuinely requires this idea of going, I have to die to what I Want. You're never going to experience the genuine relationship with Jesus that you want, the relationship that you crave until you say, okay, true change is going to take sacrifice. And sometimes you're going to find yourself in the desert, just like the children of Israel, going, Moses is gone. I can't hear from God. God is silent. There's no water coming from the rock, there's no manna coming from heaven. And in those moments, here's what you have to anchor yourself to. But he's always taking care of me. But he's always taken care of me. He's always been there. He's always got me through these seasons. And sometimes, guess what? He shows up at the very last second. I am a living testament of that. Like God has come. I'm like, God, we we, we, like we're fasting, praying, like where are you at? And like last second, God shows up. See, the antidote to true change is simply just to remember that He's been faithful to you in your past. And let, let me tell you something as I as I bring this to a close. He cares about your future. He's not just this one-time God that provides something for you one day and then he backs out. But here's what you have to remember as we've been talking about through this whole series. If you want true change then you have to remember that genuine breakthroughs come day by day, they're not one-time events. What does God say? Okay, guys, gather up enough bread for today and the same God that I am today, I'll be the same God tomorrow, but you're gonna have to trust me for it. And here's what it creates. It creates this healthy balance and rhythm in your life where you get into this process of going, okay, God, you know what? You got me. And you know what some of you need to get out of? You ever heard this mentality? Well, nobody's gonna do for me, so I'm just gonna do for myself. How's that working for you? <laughs> it doesn't work. Listen, you can't do for yourself what was designed to be done by God. You can't. You can't take care of yourself. God has designed us and created us to need people and need God. We all have one fundamental core longing. We need to belong somewhere. When you feel empty, when you feel left, when you feel alone, it's because you feel like you don't belong, right? And the only way that that ever gets met is by allowing God to come in and say, okay, guess what? I'm gonna take care of you I've been faithful to you before, and I'm gonna do it again and again and again and again. And as you walk in that process, gets what happens. Every single day, your faith just gets built up. So when you go through the silence, when you go through the hard times, when you go through the difficulties, and you feel like God is non-existent, you say, no, hold on. We're gonna pause in this moment because God is always taking care of us, and he's gonna do it again. You can finally arrive at this place where, man, you don't feel like your whole world is shattered and crumbling and falling apart. I've felt like that. As I bring this to a close, to be honest with you, I've felt like that the past two weeks. It's the first time that we have started this church. Um, within the past two weeks for me personally and, and just my family, it's just been a really difficult season. A lot of you know what's going on with my dad and his journey that he's on with cancer and he's got a long road ahead of him. But his his journey had kind of took a turn for the worse about a month ago with some things going on. Um, he broke his back while he was in Maine. He's got different, the myeloma is, is doing some stuff to his body, it just made him real weak, all kinds of different things going on. And... Um, this was probably the first time since we started this church where, and I'm just being super transparent with you, where I opened up my laptop, I was ready to do some work, and it was probably the first time that I sat there and I was like, I got nothing. <laughs> I've got nothing. It was probably the first time I felt like, you know what, if this is what... I'm going to feel like, and to have to lead a church in this, you ever feel like when you, you, when you find yourself where your back is up against the wall and you don't know what the future is like, like your natural knee-jerk reaction is to want to be like, I'm out, <laughs> right? I quit. If this is what it's going to take, God, for me to follow you, I don't want to go through this process. If people are going to start dying and my faith is going to be shit and all this kind of stuff, what do you want to do? You want to quit. You want to give up, But the most powerful thing that I've learned in these past two weeks, I mean, it's a lot of things. One of the things that I've learned is if you just keep going through the path and the process that God has for you, he's gonna meet you every single day with something. Something that gives you enough strength to make it through that next day to make it to the next one. Sometimes it gives you a little nugget and you're like, okay, that's all I need today. And then sometimes, you know what? You get nothing from him. And you feel discouraged and you feel alone and you feel left out and you feel like nobody understands what you're walking through or going through. And so sometimes the only thing that you can anchor yourself to is remembering, wait, hold on. I've been doing this for 11 years and God has always got me through this, right? God is always taking care of us and our family and all these things. So here's what I want you to understand. We all, I said this from day one, we're all gonna get phone calls that change the rest of our life. None of us are exempt from tragedy. It's just gonna happen. It happens to the best of us. It happens to all of us. It's called being human. <laughs> so here's what I want you to understand. Like what we talk about right now, you have the opportunity to cause it to be two different things, okay? It can just be another word go out here and it's just something that, okay, yeah, that was good. Or I didn't really get anything. Or you can understand that what we're doing in here has the ability to transform your life. And so we're talking about this process. And and maybe for some of you, for the first time, you just need to get over yourself and come to a place where you know what? You go, all right, God, let me jump on the train here. Whatever it takes because I'm just telling you this, if you are not connected to other believers, I'm telling you right now, I could not make it through this season in my life without the other pastors that I've connected and rooted myself to, that have called me, checked on me, prayed with me, loved me, couldn't do it. I would have quit two weeks ago. And that's God's honest truth. And listen, none of you are exempt from that in here either. You are all gonna walk through difficult times and you're all gonna walk through that process just like the children of Israel where you feel like God's left you and you're gonna have to face a crossroads one day. When you go through difficulty, will God be enough for you or will the pain be too hard that you quit? So this is why we, when we talk about dream team, when we talk about life groups, this is why it's so important because if you're not connected, guess what? When tragedy hits, you fall off. You give up, you quit, you're out, it's over. Because you've got nobody that you're anchored to. Don't be this lone fish in a pond that's going, I got me. (laughs) Because those people are lonely, they're broken, they're not fulfilled, and they're not getting what God has designed them to get.